Thursday, September 5th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the first weekly preview podcast of the season. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. Before we get to the week one action that will kick off tonight with Jared's boy and the Bears welcoming the Packers to town, I'd like to remind you that it is still not too late to jump into the FFPC main event. Live drafters are out in Las Vegas as we speak, plotting out their drafts, perhaps trying to have a good time otherwise as well. Online drafts are still filling. You can head to myffpc.com, myffpc.com. Jump into a main event draft there. Take your shot at the $500,000 grand prize and fight for a piece of the total prize pool that will be worth more than $3 million. Jared, I don't know about you, but once I'm done paying for all of these children's dance classes and gymnastics lessons, I would love to hit Vegas for the main event one of these years. Me too. I mean, I think we'd have to have a different job. We couldn't still be doing this and also, you know, be in Vegas for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was in the main event draft at one time after winning the FFPC and you know, that was, um, that, that was, that was fun. And I definitely like to do it again someday. I'm not sure how I would react emotionally to having that much money on the line for <laughs> yeah. one of my teams, but I guess if I'm going to do it, it's, it's I, something yeah. it should be something I know a decent amount about. I'd like to say I wouldn't draft differently, but I definitely might like, Played a lot safer, you know, knowing what the entry fee was. <laughs> I would just spend the entire time antsy and definitely would have to be away from my family wherever I was doing such a thing. But we'll move on from that now because it is week one. Whether you're playing FFPC or not, football games are starting for real. As you listen to this, we might even be one game into the season with Mitchell Trubisky re- revealing himself uh, <laughs> to be less than what Jared's hoping he's going to be. We're going to skip the Thursday game. We always do that on this show because we figure. Most people are listening to this either Thursday night or beyond. If you're new to it, though, we run through every single game on the slate besides that Thursday one. That's a full slate this week because obviously the buys haven't started yet. We've got two on Monday night, and we've got news that just broke earlier today that we're going to have to get to. Good start to the season. Uh, I mean, I guess we should just talk about it now with Antonio Brown. Um <laughs> Corey and Adam Schaft are going to be suspended. We don't know, you know, for how long or whatever. There's even, you know, uh, Daniel Jeremiah tweeted something out that he wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders just cut ties at this point um, <laughs> with Antonio Brown altogether. So good start of the season because I don't think I drafted Antonio Brown a, a single time. Yeah, I if I did, it was not often, and he has certainly made me uncomfortable all along. Obviously, making Mike making Mike Mayock uncomfortable as well. Uh, that sounds like speculation from Daniel Jeremiah. I would yeah. be surprised if they just dump them all together, but I, I guess everything from Antonio Brown this entire offseason has been surprising, so we shouldn't really be surprised by anything at this point. Yeah, ju- just a headache that I don't want to be dealing with. Obviously hurts Derek Carr, who I actually had some optimism for this season if he had Antonio Brown along with Tyrell Williams, Josh Jacobs. Carr is tough to like if, it's, if Tyrell is the number one guy there. Speaking of Tyrell, though, I mean, you know, this only helps him you can talk about you know maybe more defensive coverage shading his way if ab's out but it's also going to help tyrell's target share yeah i i think people tend to overrate that when a guy steps up into a larger role like that i mean if, if tyrell williams gets 130 targets right. which uh, it's not even an enormous number if antonio brown is out of the picture completely 
Yeah. I mean, how many guys have had 130 targets and not delivered a useful fantasy season? Exactly. Volume is most important, and it's not like Tyrell's a schlub. I mean, he, he's a big athletic guy, so I think I think he can handle being the number one wide receiver for the Raiders if he needs to. It's time, but we'll get to Tyrell Williams and his team later in this. Let's start at the top of the schedule with Washington at Philly, which should not be a close game. <laughs> Philly is a 10-point favorite at home. Uh, it's a fairly low over under 45 total points, so don't expect a whole lot from Washington. I would love to play nothing yep. from Washington if I can make that happen in me, fantasy. Me too. I think the only guy who should be considering is Darius Geis, who you know did play in that third preseason game. I thought he looked good. He got 11 carries. Jay Gruden came out um, this week and said that you know the offense. The quote was the offense is going to go through Darius Geis carry wise. You know I think he's still going to lose passing down work to Chris Thompson. That's the concern because we don't think the Redskins are going to be a good team. They're big underdogs here, so you could definitely see Geis get. You know, game scripted out of this one. So, you know, to me, he's like a running back three or flex play. And another concern besides we don't know how many passes he's going to be able to catch and we don't expect his team to be close in this game. The left side of his offensive line mm-hmm. is replacement guys. They don't have Trent Williams at left tackle. They have Eric Flowers playing left guard against a team that's generally tough against the run. So there's not a whole lot going Darius Geis' way this week. You know, we'll see. It's the first week, because it's, so we're guessing about all of this, so we'll see what actually happens, but I would certainly like to not play him. I think there's some sneaky reception upside to Chris Thompson. Eagles allowed the second most running back receptions last year, and they've been dealing with several key linebacker injuries this summer, so they've been kind of shuffling and reshuffling the linebacker core, and it's not a studly group even if everybody's healthy. That said, Thompson only had eight catches, 32 total receiving yards across two meetings with these Eagles last year. So certainly nothing to get excited about. Yeah, five, three, five, and three catches for Thompson in his last four games against the Eagles. I think, you know, maybe on DraftKings as as a deep play in a tournament, he might be an option. But I think even in PPR leagues, you should be able to do better than Thompson this week. Yeah, I think the one guy that might have some upside is Trey Quinn. Mm -hmm. Going up against whoever the slot corner is for Philly. So Doug Peterson had indicated previously that the top two would be Sidney Jones and Ronald Darby, that Avante Maddox was looking like the slot guy. I read that from Ruben Frank on the NBC Sports. Then today, with Jim Schwartz, a defensive coordinator, said they're playing it close to the vest. They're not going to reveal the playing time for the cornerbacks. So I don't know if the head coach is wrong. Jim Schwartz is trying to play like... We don't really know yet. If it is Avante Maddox in the slot, that's a nice matchup for Trey Quinn. He allowed 154 yards against the Bears in the playoffs last year, 110 yards against the Saints in their playoff loss last year. So Avante Maddox is a weak link in the secondary if he's in there. If he's not, then it could be Sidney Jones moving inside. That would be a much tougher matchup for whoever's in the slot for Washington. Yeah, Quinn's a guy I'm excited about this season. I mean, not super excited about, but I think he, I think he's going to end up being a valley where you took him in drafts, especially in PPR leagues. But for me, he'd be a wait and see guy, just to you know make sure he's going to play a significant role. And you know, again, we don't expect the Redskins offense to do a whole lot in general here. I agree with that. I would, I'll probably toss Trey Quinn in a DraftKings lineup just so if there something. If something crazy happens, I have a piece of it without yep. having to wager my full season lineup on it. On the Philly side, I mean, Carson Wentz, Zacherts are obvious. Zacherts mm-hmm. has crushed Washington. Alshon Jeffrey is probably starting for most fantasy teams, but he's played Washington four times as an Eagle. He has topped three receptions just once in those games. He has not cracked 60 receiving yards against Washington yet. He has cracked 40 receiving yards just once. That was week 17 of last year. The matchup will primarily be with Josh Norman. So I don't think it's a sure 
high production spot for Alshon Jeffrey. The upside, though, probably keeps him in the wide receiver three spot. Yeah, probably not an ideal individual matchup against Josh Norman for Jeffrey, but you just like the game environment in general here with the Eagles. You know, they have one of the highest implied totals of the week. Alshon would still be my best bet to lead the wide receivers and targets this week. So I think in, in general, I'd lean towards starting Alshon. Yeah, I would not be shocked if Deshaun Jackson outscores him this week. And Revenge game. The, the, the thing, I mean, he has done well in revenge <laughs> yes, games too. He used to play him for Washington against the Eagles. So I, I, I would not be at all surprised, though, on a serious note, if Deshaun Jackson outscores uh, Alshon Jeffrey this week. I just read in two places now today, though, where Doug Peterson said that he wants to throw Miles Sanders and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in there right away. Now, he didn't say these guys are going to be starting. These guys are going to be getting this certain amount of opportunities. So when a coach says, I want to throw them in there right away, that means they're going to play. I don't know what that means touch-wise. I'm certainly not using our Sega white side this mm-hmm. week. And the backfield for Philly, I would rather not have to trust any particular guy from it if I can. I mean, if I do need an Eagles running back, it's certainly Miles Sanders yeah. first. Yeah, I think ideally you could bench Sanders if you you know have two or three running backs who you can count on for 15 plus touches but I, I do think Sanders there's upside for him in this spot we don't know how exactly you know the Eagles backfield is going to look out of the gate but again they're, they're big home favorites I expect them to be playing with the lead I think Sanders is a pretty good bet for double digit targets with a chance of like 15 or sorry, double digit touches yeah um, with a chance at you know 15 or so um, he's a talented player so he's definitely a guy I'm going to be using in DFS and again I think if you need him in season long, there's upside to him. Yeah, upside, especially against a defense that has ranked among football outsiders five worst against rush offenses each of the past two seasons. Uh, and Philly defense, by the way, is as good yes. as a play as any this weekend. Yep. Buffalo at the Jets, the next one on the list. You know, when I first looked at this game, I was thinking maybe it's a sneaky spot for fantasy upside, but in week one, I don't really <laughs> want to take such a, a, a chance unless I'm building a DFS lineup. So, the Bills on defense were the number two yardage defense last year, just 18th in scoring defense. The Jets scored 27 points at Buffalo in their second meeting last year, but they were also below 300 total yards in that game, capitalized on some Buffalo turnovers. Second overall in defensive efficiency were the Bills last year, second against the pass. So I don't think that it's a great spot to break out Sam Darnold. Me either. This game does have a 41-point over-under. It's one of the lowest of the week. Three of the last four meetings between these two teams, though, have produced 50-plus points. So there's some history of you know these games going way over the total. That maybe makes it interesting as a DFS game mm-hmm. to maybe stack. But yeah, I agree. I'm not looking to this game for too many season-long targets. I do think John Brown has some upside. Tremaine Johnson, the, the Jets' top cornerback, has been out for most of August with a hamstring injury. Sounds like he's going to play, but you know if he's at less than 100%, John Brown's a guy with his speed who can you know make one or two big plays and sort of make your week for you. Yeah, I do. I think Cole Beasley might be in the best spot among Bills receivers, though. Gets Brian Poole in the slot. Brian Poole was a big free agent signing money-wise from Atlanta, but he was never a huge cover guy for the Falcons. I mean, never graded particularly well. Didn't shut down anybody. Was not even a 100% playing time guy for Atlanta. So I think it's a fine matchup for Cole Beasley. And I mean, among all the other Cole Beasley buzz I saw in the bold predictions article from the ESPN beat writers where Buffalo's guy predicted 100 catches. Now, I mean, you know, the point of it is everybody's giving these bold predictions. I think that's a little too bold, but it's also just kind of the latest indication 
of how much volume seems to be going Beasley's way. Yeah, not the first time we've heard from someone associated with the Bills or that covers the Bills that you know they expect Beasley to be busy this season, maybe even lead the team in targets. Beasley looked like Josh Allen's favorite target in the preseason so yeah I, I could definitely see him catching four or five balls this week i prefer not to play any of these guys in a season-long lineup though yep. this week same with the buffalo backfield i i don't want to trust anyone here until i've seen it at least once mm-hmm. in a real game if i need to pick one for me it's frank gore because i agree that devin singletary is the highest upside guy over the course of this season but buffalo spent the preseason playing Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy ahead of Devin Singletary. So I have to assume that that means they're not going to overload Devin Singletary right away, and I'm going to go with Frank Gore. Yeah, in that third preseason game, uh, Singletary only got one snap with the first-team offense. Uh, Frank Gore got nine snaps. And then TJ Yeldon is still here, too. Um, you know, he, he didn't get hardly any first-team work in the preseason, but there's been some reports out of Buffalo that Yeldon is going to play in some passing situations, Yeldon has been pretty good uh, in passing situations as a pro so far. So, you know, if it turns into a three headed committee, then, you know, that, that's even tougher to, to figure out week to week. So yeah, for me, it's an avoid. I also think that J- the Jets Rundy should be better this year. They added Quinn and Williams early in the draft. They added CJ Mosley. So mm-hmm. I think this, you know, could end up being a top 10 type of run defense this year. Yeah. If there's anybody that you like from Buffalo, I, I say enter a DFS lineup. I, you know, if you want to bet your season long lineup on it, go for it. But it's not something I want to do this week. Like I said, not playing Sam Darnold. Uh, and among his receivers, only Robbie Anderson's really in play for me this week. And, and he's fairly low. One meeting with the Bills last year, uh, four catches, 76 yards and a touchdown, a 37 yard catch accounted for about half of his production there under 50 yards in each of his two meetings with the Bills the year before. And like I mentioned, they were a tough pass defense last year. Yeah, Anderson likely going to see Jaravius White in coverage. White was like a top five corner last year per uh, Pro Football Focus's grades. Anderson also dealing with a calf injury. Uh, he was limited on a Wednesday. Sounds like he's going to play, but you know if he's less than 100%, there's also some risk of a, a setback there. So I, I try to avoid Anderson if possible. Sort of like with Cole Beasley, I think Jamison Crowder has a shot to be the Jets' most productive fantasy receiver in this game, running out of the slot, avoiding Tredavious White's coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, solid upside guy. Anybody else from that game before we move on? Nope. Uh, I mean, Chris Herndon obviously out, so that's going to help the um, you know target shares for those wideouts a little bit. Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell, you're starting him. Curious to see, though, um, you know how, how much Ty Montgomery siphons from Bell out of the gate. Very interested to see that. Atlanta at Minnesota, the much more interesting game unless you're a Bills fan. Julio Jones' past two meetings with the Vikings have been a little tough. Five catches for 56. That was back in November 2015. Two for 24 yards in December 2017. Those were two matchups with Xavier Rhodes, the top corner for Minnesota. You know, don't be surprised if he doesn't have his best game here. I'm not saying that, though, to sway people away from playing Julio Jones this week. Yeah, I would say, too, Rhodes wasn't as good last year as he was back in 2017, that last meeting with Julio. So, yeah, I'm definitely starting Julio. The matchup does, though, make me especially like Austin Hooper more. I think that, you know, the, the Vikings really have three solid corners with the Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander in the slot. So it could push more action to Austin Hooper, a guy we've liked. I think he's probably on a lot of Draft Sharks members team. So I like Hooper this week. Uh, Minnesota was 30th last year in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings. Yeah, eighth fewest PPR points allowed this position. But like you said, it didn't rate well in coverage against them. I, I definitely think Austin Hooper is at least a solid option this week. I'd, I'd probably even bump him up a spot or two from where he is in our week one rankings. Matt Ryan's outside our top 12. 
I mean, if you need to use him, it, I think he's okay. But between him and Kirk Cousins, I would rather start Kirk Cousins this week. Yeah, so would I. Um, really tough spot for Matt Ryan. The Vikings allowed the second fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks last year. They allowed just four total touchdown passes in their eight home games last season. That included holding Matt Stafford to zero passing touchdowns, holding Drew Brees to one, holding Aaron Rodgers to one. So yeah, Ryan sits well outside starter territory for us. And I definitely prefer Kirk Cousins in this spot. It seemed like a down year overall for the Vikings. Certainly was overall, but it seemed like it on defense. It probably seemed like it more than it actually was, though. They were still fourth overall in football outsiders, defensive efficiency, fifth against the pass. Everson Griffin's back this year after... A weird season for him in 2018. They should be a tough matchup, especially at their place. Also a bottom 10 matchup for running back scoring last year. I mean, Devontae Freeman's probably in the starting lineup, and I wouldn't reach too far to get a replacement for him. But kind of like with Julio, don't be shocked if he gives you a sluggish opener. Yeah, the Vikings have actually finished top 12 against running backs. Fantasy points allowed to running backs in four straight seasons now. So it's been a good run D for a long time. I still think Freeman, you're going to get, you know, 15 or so touches out of him. Mm-hmm. He's a decent bet for a touchdown and, you know, what should be a higher scoring game. So he he's still starting for me. Just, you know, more of a lower end running back too this week. Anything on the other Falcons receivers? No, I mean... Muhammad Sanu. Kind of what they are. Yeah, Calvin Ridley. I mean, I think, you know, you could point to maybe Sanu and Ridley getting a bit more work than usual if Xavier Rhodes is covering Julio Jones. And again, it's going to be a high enough scoring game. I think they're both fine options. Yeah, and I don't think that we should go in expecting Atlanta to limit its targets for Julio Jones because we could just as easily see 15 of them for him. that's fair. And on the Vikings side, I already mentioned Kirk Cousins. He's in starter territory in our rankings this week. I like the starting spot. The issue, though, Stefan Diggs is yeah. dealing with a hamstring injury. Yep, didn't practice at all on Wednesday. Um, it came out of nowhere. We you know, hadn't heard anything about a hamstring. But yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see Thursday and Friday what he's able to do. Injuries have been rough for him yeah. in recent seasons. Even when he enters the game questionable, it makes Stefan Diggs a much shakier fantasy option. Yeah, you know, if he's, you know, say, limited on Friday and ends up questionable, ends up playing, I still think he's going to be a shaky option. You know, I'm not, not saying you, you can't start him, but you know, I'd probably consider him more of a wide receiver three unless we see him get in a full practice on Thursday or Friday. Yeah. And otherwise I think everybody else that you're considering belongs in your lineup in the spot. It's a good spot for Minnesota's offense to get mm-hmm. started. So I would consider Kyle Rudolph among those options, the guys that I'm starting. Atlanta yep. wasn't a, a pushover as far as tight end defenses go last year, but was just middling. It also wasn't a defense to avoid. Alexander Madison, though, not a guy that I would use yet until we see what his role looks like. No, yeah, I I don't expect to be using Madison at all this year without a Dalvin Cook injury, but yeah, we'll see how big a role he plays. I do like Kyle Rudolph, like you said. The matchup's okay, and it's it's just a good game environment for him. 26-point implied total for the Vikings this week, one of the highest on the week. Yeah, I would prefer not to use the Vikings defense this week. If you drafted them, there are some streaming options likely available from our top 12. That said, I would not drop the Vikings defense to pick up a streamer this week, I don't think. I might. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do we expect the Vikings defense to be that much of a difference maker? I mean, I I, I dropped the Vikings defense for the Seahawks this week as an example to just to use. I could see dropping them for Dallas if mm-hmm. Dallas is out there because we got three good matchups for Dallas right off the bat. But Seattle, I think, is not usable next week. I forget who their matchup is. Probably not, but I, I super high in the Hawks defense this week. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. All right. Baltimore at Miami is the next game on our list. A low over under 38 and a half points. Ravens are six and a half point favorites. So that means the lowest implied total for any team uh, is Miami. The league's fewest implied points for this week. And that's even up a little bit from the open. They opened at 15, I believe. 
Yeah, I don't want to start any Dolphins if I can help it. I think the the best option is Kenny and Drake. Only option. He's he's passed he's passed his foot injury. We've been hearing over the past couple weeks now a few times that you know Drake is going to be the lead back here. Brian Flores says he wants to get Drake a bunch of touches this week. Um, Drake's listed ahead of Kalen Ballage on the initial depth chart here, so. Um, I think he's the best option, but again, I, I don't think he's a great option. Yep, 20 touches, 49 yards this week for Kenyon Drake. He's the only Dolphin that I'm really giving a look to, especially with Albert Wilson not all the way back yet, still a limited practice participant. On the other side, Lamar Jackson wasn't in starter territory for my draft ranks. He's not in starter territory this week. Certainly capable of finishing in that range, though, if he is your top quarterback. Yeah, I think he's fine to use if, if he's you know your guy. Um, I don't think he's going to face much resistance. The question is just, you know, how much is he going to have to do? Um, you know, I think the Ravens might want to protect him if they're you know, nursing a big lead throughout this game. Yeah, we'll see plenty of running from this team all year, and especially in a game where they're likely to win handily. The Dolphins were friendly to fantasy quarterbacks last year, allowed the seventh most points. Also, the Patriots, who Brian Flores and much of his staff came from, they were on the friendly side of QB defenses as well. So nothing scary matchup-wise. Um, yeah. Like we said, it's just a matter of, of how much he does. No thanks for me on any Baltimore pass catchers. The playing time issue we've talked about for Mark Andrews, mm-hmm. I can see the upside for him as a talent, but I don't think he. I, I need to see that he's going to be on the field enough to be a fantasy factor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a good matchup for him, but if we can't count on the playing time, it's tough to count on him in fantasy lineups. Um, we'll see what the wide receiver rotation looks like. John Harbaugh said Marquise Brown's a full go for this one. So sort of expecting it to be Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed in the slot. Situation we'll watch, but I wouldn't want to dabble in it at all this week. Yeah, especially in an offense that has the potential to throw fewer than 20 passes this week. Mark Ingram, though, is solid play. Potentially Mm -hmm. terrific play. We'll see uh, a rebuilt front seven for Miami. Nothing in it that looks scary (laughs) unless, yeah, nothing in it that looks scary. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could see Baltimore literally run it 40 times in this game. And I think you you could see Ingram get 20 carries. So I I think he's he's a great play. I would not want to use Justice Hill yet until we see what his role is going to look like. Yeah, good stash. Don't use him this week. Kansas City at Jacksonville uh, with the second highest over under the week, 51 and a half points, and that's even down a point from where it opened. The Chiefs, of course, are the favorites by three and a half. That's actually down a little bit, so there must be some action on the Jacksonville side. Jacksonville's implied total 24 points. We'll start with the Chiefs because they're kind of the center of the fantasy universe at this point. They scored 30 in last year's meeting with Jacksonville in Kansas City, 424 total yards, but Patrick Mahomes had no touchdown passes in that one, did run for a touchdown. Two interceptions, just a 62.7 passer rating. It's like Julio Jones here. You're going to be using Patrick Mahomes if you drafted him, but you can't expect him to have a Patrick Mahomes week. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to, you know, win your week for you. Um, He did still throw for 313 yards in that game. Sort of got a little unlucky not to throw a passing touchdown. Um, It's a tough match. So I'm benching... Mahomes for Deshaun Watson, which I'm sure you know, you don't have Watson and Mahomes unless it's a keeper league. Um, Drew Brees, I would bench Mahomes for, and Carson Wentz, I would bench Mahomes for. Other than that, though, if you know Mahomes is my guy, I spent a fourth or fifth round pick on him. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with him this week. Yeah, I agree with that. Sammy Watkins drew one more target than Tyreek Hill in last year's matchup. Caught two more passes, six for 78. Tyreek Hill was four for 61 in that one, and Tyreek Hill should be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey this one. So. 
I'm not excited about Tyreek Hill. Again, if you drafted him, he's probably in your lineup, but he's inside wide receiver two territory for us. You know, like I said, most teams are probably going to be starting him, but I think it's it's possible that you could be sitting on a team that has Tyreek Hill and also either of the Vikings, Julian Edelman or Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd. I could see sitting Tyreek Hill behind a Viking, Edelman or Lockett, and Tyler Boyd this week. I wouldn't sit him for Boyd. Um, I would sit him for Edelman, the Vikings guys, William. Probably not Diggs at this point, honestly, with the right. hamstring. Yeah. Um, Kenny Galladay is a guy, and we'll talk about him, but he, he's a guy I'm going to consider sitting Tyreek Hill for. But, man, it's it's scary to sit Tyreek Hill. Yeah, we have Allen Robinson just ahead. I think I would play Tyreek Hill over Allen Robinson, but we also have Brandon Cooks just behind him. I feel like I would lean Brandon Cooks in my yeah. own lineup over Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, the Chiefs' backfield, I mean, you know, we'll see how this one develops. I think if you drafted Damian Williams, you got to go ahead and play him unless you have strong options otherwise. Let's hope we get some clarity Sunday. Maybe we'll get some clarity before Sunday on rolls, but I would expect for Damian Williams to stay in low RB2 territory. Yeah, it sounds like LaShawn McCoy is going to play. How big a role he's going to play, we don't know. I I would expect Damian Williams to lead the backfield in touches. Not an easy matchup, obviously. Uh, Williams can do damage in the passing game, as we saw in that third preseason game. So I'm starting Damian Williams, but yeah, like you said, probably... Low end running back two is where he belongs. And I would like to not use McCoy anywhere. He's, not only do we not know how many touches he's going to get, but we've seen a couple of coaches now limit his red zone work, work near the goal line. Uh, So he has not been a strong option there. I would play Miles Sanders over him. I would play Darius Geis over him. I'd play Latavius Murray over him. In PPR, I would have to flip a coin between McCoy and Chris Thompson. Yeah, I would definitely play those first few guys you mentioned. Um, I think I'd go Thompson in PPR. I'd probably go McCoy in non-PPR. But yeah, that's that's the range we're talking about with Shady this week. On the Jaguars side, Leonard Fournette, the only comfy start that I see. I think there's upside yeah. to D.D. Westbrook, but he's on the fringe because of a tough matchup with Kendall Fuller. Yeah, like you said, Fuller, um, the Chiefs' best cornerback last year in terms of PFF grade and fantasy points allowed per route run. I do think Westbrook, though, also pretty easily the best target bet in the Jags' wide receiver core. You know, DJ Char coming off a pretty invisible rookie season. Chris Conley, we'll see. Uh, D.D. Westbrook targeted on seven of Nick Foles' 10 pass attempts in that one preseason appearance for Foles. So it looks like there's some chemistry there. I think Westbrook is a, is a pretty – like if he was my wide receiver three, I'd feel pretty good about it this week. I think it's a game where, you know, the Jags should put some points on the board. I would do it, but he's in a range where it's uh, there's a lot of boom bust. He did. D.D. Westbrook saw just five targets in last year's meeting with the Chiefs, caught three for 55. Eight other Jaguars saw more targets mm-hmm. than he did in that game. Now, that was a while ago. Blake Bortles is now gone. Nick Foles is there. Maybe the connection is better like we like we got a peak of in that preseason game. Don't want to overrate that. And maybe D.D. Westbrook is now more so the number one receiver for the Jaguars. So that would make me feel a little bit better than what the numbers from last year's matchup might indicate. But, you know, again, I think he's he's boom bust in a land of boom bust options toward the bottom of wide receiver three range. Yeah, new quarterback for Westbrook, new offense under John D. Filippo. Speaking of Nick Foles, I, he's an interesting DFS guy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's super cheap, I think. Yeah, I think the Jags are going to throw more, quite a bit more this year anyways than they have in the past few years. And, you know, obviously playing the Chiefs, it, it might force them to throw it even more than that. So I think, you know, you could get 40 pass attempts out of Nick Foles in this game. Yep, I could see that. Fine with using the Chiefs' defense in this spot as a road favorite, but uh, also not a clear, strong play because really we don't know what the turnover picture is going to be with a new quarterback yeah. in Jacksonville. And, you know, they are on the road, and the Jaguars are have a, a high implied total. 
I'm a Chiefs D at home kind of guy, so I'm not really interested in the Chiefs this week. Tennessee at Cleveland is the next game. 45 point over under. Browns are five and a half point favorites. So that puts the Titans under 20 points for this one. If I paid the going rate for Derrick Henry at draft time, I kind of feel like I have to use him this first time out. Trust that they're going to give him the ball as much as they can. Yeah. I didn't draft him very much, <laughs> right. so it's not a decision I'm personally going to have to make very often. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I'm sort of glad that we're getting Henry in this spot to open the season. You know, because uh, road underdog, this is the spot you think if he's going to disappoint this year, it's going to be because these type of games. So if he does still get, you know, 15 carries and three, four targets, I think that'll be encouraging going forward. But yeah, I think he's a risky play this week, but a play you probably are going to have to use. Yeah, I would take the under on the three or four targets. And I think the setting makes Deion Lewis an okay PPR option. Uh, they are road underdogs here. We have seen that Deion Lewis mm-hmm. is the pass catcher, and I think that'll continue. I wouldn't advocate playing Deion Lewis this week, yeah. but he's okay if you need to choose. I would play him over Chris Thompson. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's right in that Chris Thompson range. is sort of like a desperation flex in PPR that hopefully you don't need to go there this soon. Mm-hmm. Corey Davis is not far from that territory this this yeah. week either. He's okay, I think, as a PPR flex, but Cleveland was a, a fairly tough pass defense last year, number seven in Football Outsiders ratings there. Should only be better this time, this season, with some upgrades around the D. I would just rather move away. From, I would play D.D. Westbrook over Corey Davis this week if I were making that decision. Yep, me too. And Davis is going to see a lot of Denzel Ward, who finished sixth among cornerbacks in PFF's coverage grades last season. So tough individual matchup for, for Corey Davis. And Marcus Mariota could be terrorized by the Cleveland front, especially with left tackle Taylor yes. Luan out. Yep, definitely. On the Browns side, I'm starting any guys that I'm strongly considering. You know, Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry. The numbers say it's a negative matchup for David Njoku. No matter where you look, Football Outsiders, PFF. I would play Austin Hooper or Kyle Rudolph over Njoku, but I wouldn't reach beyond that level, I don't think. Uh, Hooper and Rudolph ahead of Njoku in PPR for sure. I think it's closer in non-PPR. Njoku, he's a guy I'm glad I have in best ball leagues. I think he's going to be a tough decision you know start sit decision all season i'm not sure even how much matchups are going to matter i just think he's going to be mm-hmm. you know pretty low volume but we know he can make big plays i think he has pretty nice touchdown upside mm-hmm. in this offense so you know, he, he's a guy i think you almost just have to you know say he's my weekly starter or you know sort of sort of move away from him and go and go with someone steadier he's like a poster child for why i don't want to stream <laughs> at tight end because yeah. he could easily see four targets in this game catch two of them and have one of them be a touchdown and it, it ends up being a nice fantasy out exactly Cleveland D, I think, looks like a solid play here. Maybe yeah. has upside well beyond solid. Yeah, I'd use the Cleveland D over the Chiefs D this week. Yes, I would do that as well. Home favorite over road favorite. Nice. Uh, Rams at Carolina, 50-point over-under. This should be a nice fantasy spot. Yeah. Uh, on the Rams side, Carolina, was kind of, it seems like kind of quietly a weak pass defense last year. Tenth most quarterback points allowed. Rated just 24th against the pass by football outsiders. And down as a defense overall, so you can move yeah. the ball and score points on them. Brought in some new pass rush pieces, but the secondary is basically the same. They brought in Trey Boston late at safety. So I'm not frightened at all by the Panthers for the Rams yeah. passing game. Yeah, it's 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 a young secondary that I could see taking a step forward this season. But I, I think the Rams trio of wideouts is going to be better than pretty much any secondary they face this season. So mm-hmm. I'm starting all three of those guys, including Cooper Cup. Some risk with Cup. Obviously, we didn't see him at all in the preseason after last year's torn ACL. But we didn't see anybody with a Rams sure, uniform yeah, point, at the point. starter. Cup's a guy, you know, I think we would have liked to have seen. But um, everything we heard you know, all summer about his rehab has been positive. Um, you know, he, he was taking hits in practice. So I, I'd feel, I'd feel fine using Cup. Mm-hmm. 
as long as Josh Gordon's not taking hits at practice. Um, I cert- obviously, you're using Todd Gurley. I would use all three of those receivers. I would start Jared Goff this week. We had bad home road splits from Jared Goff last mm-hmm. season, but we didn't have those the year before. And his with and without Cooper Cup splits were very bad last year. So I'm not going to... Yeah. Say right now that Jared Goff is Ben Roethlisberger, where I'm using him at home and not on the road. We'll be watching to see how he, how he starts out on the road this year. Yeah, weekend. I was going to say, if he struggles here, I'll start to be worried about using him on the road. I would still lean towards you. I mean, you know, there's there's guys. I, I would start Mitch Trubisky over Jared Goff <laughs> this week. I, I know you wouldn't, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you said, Goff only finished the top 12 fantasy quarterback in one of his eight road games last season. Um, but like you said, I, I think the Cooper Cup thing, you know, a bunch of those road games came without Cooper Cup. Goff had big cup splits, so uh, yeah, I think I think he's fine. But again, it'll be a situation to watch here. If he struggles in this one, we'll have to reassess him on the mm-hmm. road. Yeah, we'll see. But again, 2017, it, it, there was no yep. noticeable difference between home and road for for Jared Goff. On the Panthers side, the big thing is Cam yeah. Newton was not on the injury report Wednesday. Yeah, which should make me feel good. I'm still a little <laughs> nervous about Cam Newton. Um, and it's it, and it's not just the foot. It's the fact that he's coming off that shoulder surgery still. And we saw him throw like three short passes in preseason action. So, you know, Cam could come out and finish as a top five fantasy quarterback this week for sure. I'd use Jared Goff over Cam Newton. I'd use Trubisky over Cam Newton. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I'm having a reaction to that. As my my shoulder started itching, uh, I would I would play Cam Newton ahead of Trubisky. I would play Cam Newton ahead of Kirk Cousins most likely. No, really, he hasn't he wasn't markedly better at home than he was on the road. It was pretty even everywhere, so there's no no real concern or bonus there. Actually, had more passing yards per game on the road than at home each of the past two seasons did Newton. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's definitely some risk. He's really, though, in this area at quarterback where pretty much every guy has a wide range of possible outcomes. Yeah, I, I have a Dak Prescott versus Cam Newton decision to make myself. And the, the rankings say it's Dak easily. That's where I'm leaning. But yeah, I, I'm worried if, I'm worried about sitting Cam and I'm throwing up 30 points. See, I like Dak because he's at home. He's got a weak defense on the other side. And he's basically profiles like Cam without the True. physical issues. Yep. So, yeah, I would go with Dak yeah, there. Dak it is. <laughs> Uh, Cincinnati at Seattle, the first late Sunday afternoon game, noon game for us. Yeah. Seahawks are 10 point home favorites here. It's a 44 point over under. So that's a 17 implied total for the Bengals. I'm certainly using Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. I'm likely using Tyler Boyd against the secondary. That's still not scaring anybody. The only other Bengal that I'm really giving a look to is Tyler Eifert though. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd lean against using Eifert. Um, I, I know this is, you know, sort of we drafted him, especially if you're early in the season with AJ Green out. But I just I don't like the Bengals in general in this spot. Obviously, again, missing AJ Green. Jonah Williams, their rookie tackle, out for the season. Their other tackle, Cordy Glenn, looks questionable with a concussion. Seahawks just added that Jadavian Clowney guy. I think it's gonna be trouble for the for the Bengals offense in general. Eifert's a guy we're sort of banking on a touchdown from him. I just don't think he's a great touchdown bet in this spot. Yeah, definitely boom bust. I would play him personally over Mark Andrews if I had that decision to make anywhere. But of course, I don't have any Mark <laughs> Andrews. I would play Tyler Eifert over the Colts guys. I think that's like a, a realistic scenario where you drafted Eric yeah. Ebron and now you're waiting to see what's up with Eric Ebron. I would play Tyler Eifert there. Otherwise, I'm not reaching over any big name to get to him. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the Colts, guys. I think that's close with Eifert. I'm definitely using Eifert over Mark Andrews, and you know, like I'm definitely using someone like Kyle Rudolph ahead of Tyler Eifert. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. On the Seahawks' side, Russell Wilson's strong here. Bengals allowed the yeah. second-most QB points 
last year in fantasy. Tyler Lockett is strong right along with his quarterback. The rest of the wide receiver core, I'm waiting to see what yeah. it looks like. Yeah, it sounds like DK Metcalf's going to play. I'd be surprised if he you know plays a full allotment of snaps coming off the knee surgery. Um, Jerome Brown probably <laughs> going to play the second most snaps in the wide receiver core. I don't think there's a reason you need to use him. I think the other question is Rashad Penny. I mean, Chris Carson's going to be the lead guy here, but Seahawks, 10-point home favorites. They're a team that could run it 40 times in this game. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you could see Penny get 12 to 14 carries, maybe a couple targets. So I, I think he's in the running back three flex discussion. Yeah, I think that he's right in the same territory with Miles Sanders. If, if I were making the decision between Penny and Sanders, it would honestly be a coin flip. You know, like it, yeah. When we have no 2019 info to go on with these guys, I, you know, it's a total guess between them. I would play Penny over Darius Geis. I would play him over any Bill and over LaShawn McCoy. Definitely over the Bills, definitely over McCoy. Geis versus Penny is close. Probably Geis for me. I would bet on him finishing with more touches, and I just think he's the better player. 10-point favorite versus 10-point underdog. I know, but, you know, lead back versus number two back. Yeah, well, (laughs) we'll see. Uh, Anything else there? Obviously, the Seattle D looks as strong as just about any this week. Yeah, like I said, Bengals may be missing both tackles. Big road underdogs. Andy Dalton, you know, not, not, not immune to a flop every once in a while. So yeah, I think the Hawks D has big upside this week. No number one receiver. Who, who's the guy? Damian Willis. Is that who's starting? Damian Willis is expected to start. John Ross is going to play too. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's your top three, but yeah, Tyler Boyd should dominate targets. Obviously uh, makes him a good start. Even if I'm not excited about him, just because I don't think the Bengals do a whole lot in general. Ringing endorsement for John Ross that Damian Willis <laughs> is looking yeah. like he's going to start. Yeah. Indianapolis at the Chargers, an interesting game. And Jacoby Brissett, maybe there's a surprise coming with him this season. And maybe there's a surprise coming with him in week one. We we saw a couple of times last year where opponents came surprisingly close to or even beat the Chargers at home, put up more points than we expected going in. So that's within the realm of possibility here. Maybe we have Brissett ranked way too low. But in week one of the season... I would sure rather sit and watch what happens with the Colts than rely on them. Yeah, the Chargers are at home only in name here. I mean, there's no yeah. home field advantage for them. So, you know, I mean, the Colts do still have to travel across the country. But my concern for Brissett would be T.Y. Hilton's matchup against Casey Hayward. Um, Hayward was 23rd last year in PFF's coverage grade. I think it's possible he finishes higher this season. And Hayward helped the Chargers hold opposing number one wide receivers to a league low 50 yards per game. So, you know, tough spot for Hilton even beyond the fact that he's dealing with new quarterback play now. I wouldn't say he's a must start. I think there are situations where you could you could bench T.Y. Hilton this week. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, similar to the Tyreek Hill scenario from earlier, maybe even to maybe even to a greater degree because Hilton starts out in a lower spot in our preseason rankings with no Andrew Luck. Uh, he has not I I went into setting up my notes thinking that T.Y. Hilton was a much better home player. That actually has not been the case lately. It was not there's no significant split between his home and road numbers over the past two years or overall for his career. There have been times, if you look back at 2016, there was a lot more at home than on the road, but it's not an overall trend for him. So I wouldn't worry about that, but there's not a whole lot that you know you need to defend against in the Indy offense. We don't know what Jacoby Brissett's going to look like this time around. I would feel comfortable not needing to use T.Y. Hilton this week if I didn't need to. Yeah, I think that'd be ideal. Indy tight ends. This is going to be interesting. And we talked on, I think, that whenever the pod was after Andrew Luck retired, that Brissett targeted his tight ends heavily (laughs) back in 2017. It, it 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 was just Jack Doyle then, basically. He didn't work with Ebron. So there's a new 
A new chemistry to be built there. Chargers last year, first in football outsiders tight end coverage grades. They were just 14th in fantasy points allowed at the position. But I think Derwin James had a lot to do with that. And James, of course, is out. So I don't think, I think it's, you know, probably a middling matchup for these tight ends. I would like to not use either one as we sort of sort out, you know, what the snaps and targets are going to look like between them. But I think I think if you're desperate, they, they make some sense. Yeah, I think overall my ish, my big issue with the Colts facing the Chargers is that this is going to be one of the best sets of cornerbacks that Jacoby Brissett will face all year. It's going to be one of the best pass rushes yeah. that he will face all year. So I would which, rather bet yeah. on that side limiting the Colts' output. Yeah, which, I mean, the Colts' O-line can handle that pass rush as uh-huh. well as anyone. Um, and the cornerback fact, you know, that could, that could push more work to the tight ends. Yeah, so I, I can see the upside, especially since there are two of them, though. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather wait and see what's happening here. It'd be different if there were either Jack Doyle or Eric Ebron, but now you got to bet on one of them and on Jacoby Brissett to some degree. Yep, I agree with that. Marlon Mack, sort of in the same boat for me as Derrick Henry, where it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what his usage is like with the Colts on the road, potentially trailing in this game. Um, you know, we did see Mack play in passing situations in that one preseason game where the Colts, you know, played most of their starters. So if that if that continues, then he's going to be a guy we can, you know, count on as a weekly starter. If he's going to cede that passing work to Naheem Hines again, um, you know, Mack's going to be more volatile. Yeah, low uh, running back two territory for me with Marlon Mack. We didn't, we didn't see a whole lot of the Colts trailing with both Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines available last year. A lot of the Naheem Hines stuff came before Marlon Mack was really back in the lineup. And then the Colts won pretty much the whole time after Marlon Mack returned. On the Chargers side, the Colts did improve dramatically on D last year. 10th in overall football outsiders efficiency. 20th in pass defense, though. So I'm fine with the Chargers passing offense. Phillip Rivers is in play. There's no worrisome spot, I don't think, for the Colts D versus Chargers offensive players. Yep, agree. I think Rivers is a fine low-end quarterback one. I think the matchup is best for Hunter Henry. Um, The Colts were 31st last year in fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They were 29th in football outsiders. Tight end coverage rankings. Hunter Henry obviously returned for that playoff game last year appeared in at least a couple of preseason games i think the knee injury is behind him i think henry's a strong play this week yeah i agree keenan allen mike williams i think too is is just fine to play this week if you did draft him i didn't draft him but if you have him i think it's a fine spot to go ahead and use him the backfields you know everything we saw last year was austin eckler well ahead of justin jackson eckler played well ahead of jackson in the preseason uh, 40 to 21 snaps in favor of eckler with the first team offense there's been some reports out of Chargers camp that's going to be closer to a 50-50 split this year. We'll see. I do think Eckler is still going to dominate the passing down work, and he has a good matchup there. The Colts allowed the second most running back receptions last season, so Eckler's definitely the preferred play here. I actually would be excited to use him in PPR leagues, and I think he's like a fine RB2 in non-PPR. Yeah, I feel good about Eckler as a running back, too. I would not play Justin Jackson this week, uh, you know. We'll see what his workload looks like, and maybe he's useful beyond that. Chargers D, high upside. You know, as we said, there's some talent on the Colts offense. Maybe they score more points than expected, but it's a good week for the Chargers D and a nice early schedule for them. Yep. San Francisco at Tampa Bay is up next, the third largest over-under at 51 points. Uh, That's up two points from the open. Bucks are slight favorites at home by one point, but it looks like Vegas says both of these teams are going to score plenty. The Bucks were not good at anything on D last year, and we should assume that they're not good at anything until they prove otherwise. 
Yeah, I agree with that. The Niners, though, still are probably the toughest team for me to mm-hmm. like project this week. Yeah, you know, I think I still have some questions about Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Um, had had the one complete dud in preseason, bounce back the next game. Um, yeah, we're still working with a pretty small sample with him as an NFL starter. It is a, a great, it's a great spot for him though. Um, I think he's you know an interesting DFS play. I would try to look elsewhere in season-long lineups. Yeah, I agree with that. An upside option if you need one in a deeper type league, but I there's so much out there. I would hope that you don't have to um, rely on him. Mm-hmm. I think you start Tevin Coleman this week, most likely. I think Matt Breida is in the starter discussion this week. I think Dante Pettis is fine to start as a wide receiver three if you drafted him. We've had positive buzz in his direction over the past like week and a half Mm -hmm. after there was more concern about him and it seemed like uh, Kyle Shanahan was saying his starting spot's not secured it looks like he should head into the opener as their top wide receiver yeah still the best fantasy bet in this wide receiver core the matchup's not gonna get any better than this the Bucks allowed the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers last year I think it's you know probably gonna be a bottom five unit the Niners listed Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, and then Kendrick Bourne as their top three wide receivers on their latest step chart. So Debo Samuel is still a nice stash, but uh, you you can't use him this week. Yeah, there's upside to Marquise Goodwin as well, but he's always been a low-volume guy, except for like the five-game stretch where there was nobody else when Jimmy Garoppolo first stepped in. So I would prefer not to use Goodwin, but you know, there's upside if you're in a deep league. Uh, Yeah, DFS tournament play for me only for Marquise Goodwin. Mm Mm-hmm. On the Bucks' offensive side, Jameis Winston, there's a, a lot of people who say, can we finally use Jameis Winston as a starting quarterback in fantasy? Can we finally trust him? He has f- spent his career to this point floating around the bottom of QB1 territory. So, yes, he's a starting fantasy quarterback, and I think he's an easy start this week against the Niners. Yep, good spot. Um, you know, Richard Sherman, the only thing we need to worry about in the Niners secondary, Winston at home with the big implied team total. The, the risk with Winston, last year was always Willie get bench for bench for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick's gone now. Their 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 backup's playing Gabbard. I just had to look that up. <laughs> so I wasn't even sure. Um, you know, so th- there's very low risk of Winston getting benched, and I don't think it's going to happen in this spot. I think he's going to have a big game. And I think there's low risk of him imploding and throwing a bunch of interceptions against a team that just set an <laughs> NFL record for right. fewest interceptions in a season. Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard are all easy starters, and I think, personally, nobody else on that offense is interesting right now. Nope, I would want to avoid the backfield in general, yes. and, and this is a tougher matchup than you might think. The Niners actually were good against the run last season. They, they have a, they have a nice front four, so yeah, avoid it. We'll see. Hopefully, Dare Ogumbwale can start to carve out himself a role. Yeah, this will be an, a, a backfield to watch to see how the touches get distributed and the playing time. Giants at Dallas up next. The Cowboys are seven and a half point favorites. Giants have 19 implied points. Nothing beyond the obvious here. Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. Ingram last year had seven catches for 67 and a touchdown, five for 81 and a touchdown in his two meetings against Dallas. 15 total targets. He could even get more than those 15 targets in this year's two meetings. Yep, I got nothing to add for the Giants. Pretty pretty easy this week. <laughs> All right, why don't you start us off on the Cowboys side? Then? Well, I mean, Zeke Elliott's the question. Um, yeah. He's back. The report from NFL Network's Jane Slater yesterday was the Cowboys' current plan is to get Zeke 20 to 25 snaps. That, that you know That'd be like less than half the game. That was the current plan then. I think they're probably evaluating what kind of shape he's in. That I think those plans tend to change during the mm-hmm. game anyways. You know, if Zeke's looking good, if he's rolling, he's going to get more than that. I, I would definitely lean towards using Zeke. You'd have to be stacked at running back to not use Zeke this week, even if, you know, he's going to get 
12 to 15 touches rather than his, his usual 20. Right. Uh, certainly a much wider range of possible outcomes here than usual with him. But, I mean, if you went ahead and drafted him despite the risk, I think you got to go ahead and play him unless you are absolutely loaded at running back. Because they're, it's not like they're going to put him out on the field 10 times to pass block. I think when Zeke's out there, he's going to get the ball. Yeah. And if he, as long as he doesn't stink, he's probably going to get the ball a little bit more than they intended to heading in. Yeah, good spot too, obviously, home favorites. Um, the Giants last year, after they traded Damon Harrison to the Lions, the Giants allowed 4.5 yards per carry through running backs the rest of the way. Yep, and we're about to get to the team that Damon Harrison affected in the other way. Tony Pollard, not interested. If we, I mean, if we think Zeke's going to play half the game, then I think Pollard. I think he's going to play Pollard, the half where they're Pollard, running. Pollard's in, <laughs> Pollard's in the in, in the Chris Thompson territory for me in PPR leagues. I could see him getting like eight carries and like four targets in this game. Yeah, if you're deciding between Tony Pollard and Chris Thompson, then I could see taking a shot on Tony Pollard. But I think that the half of the game where Zeke's playing is going to be the half where they're handing the ball to somebody. Amari <laughs> uh, Cooper, full practice Wednesday. So yep. he's got the foot concern, but go ahead and use him this week. Yep, start start Cooper. Michael Gallup, fine as a flex, I think, until we see his role. Maybe he turns into more than that. I wouldn't overplay him this week on our excitement for the player, but he, yeah. he's, he's an option. It's an upside spot. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a good spot for him. I think he's in the wide receiver three mix. Remember, Gallup averaged 5.5 targets per game after Cooper arrived last year, more than he averaged before. So I think that's about where we're going to see him, five, six, seven targets a game. And I would absolutely try not to use Dallas tight end. Uh, yes, although, I mean, <laughs> Witten crushes the Giants historically, but... Back when he played, yeah. you know, all would, of the game. That pretty much everyone we've talked about so far over Jason. If Witten. you need somebody who can... Produce against the Giants despite having his spleen ripped apart, then Jason <laughs> Witten's your guy this week. And the Dallas defense is as strong as any this yep, week, I think. Sure. Detroit at Arizona in a game that, you know, it would have been exciting heading in. Now it's one that we're all waiting to watch just to see if the Cardinals are going to stink or not. <laughs> so 46.5 points is down 2.5 from the open. It opened as a pick. Now the Lions are 2.5 point favorites on the road. I'm not sure I, I buy that, but we'll see. For Detroit's side, Matthew Stafford has actually been significantly better on the road than at home. Last year, uh, 2017, he was basically the same in either spot, and basically the same in 2016 as well. Last year, he had a 6-to-1 TD-to-INT ratio in road games, 1-to-1 at home. He was nearly five points of uh, completion percentage better on the road than at home last season. And his QB rating was way better. So Matthew Stafford all of a yeah. sudden might be like a sneaky play this week. He is. I'm definitely using him in DFS tournaments. I think, I think he's going to be an option for some people in seasonal leagues. I mean, I think Matt Stafford and Cam Newton would be a tough decision for me this week. So all, all that stuff you mentioned, good for Stafford Cardinals missing their top two cornerbacks, Patrick Peterson suspended for the first eight games. Robert Alford was expected to be their number two. He's out the first half of the season with a broken tibia. And then the Cardinals, we expect them to be up in pace. I think, you know, the Cardinals defense is going to face potentially the most snaps in the NFL this year because of that offense being so fast paced. I think you're going to get elevated volume for Stafford in this spot. Yeah, maybe Matthew Stafford should be higher in our week one rankings. I think he, I think he probably should be. Uh, and I would not be scared to play either Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones at appropriate levels this week either. Yep, agree. Karen Johnson, starter. Curious to see exactly you know how featured he is. TJ Hawkinson, I think, is interesting just because, again, I, I like the, the Lions passing game in general. I think you know, Hawkinson's... I, I would start Hawkinson over Jason Witten. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Bold call. I would play Tyler Eifert over TJ Hawkinson, but yeah, it would at least be a decision, I think. Yep. 
On the Cardinals side, I think the big question is whether you start Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. And for me, it really depends heavily on who else I have. I mean, if I drafted him at like on the QB1 fringe and my other guy is Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm going to go ahead and take a shot on Kyler Murray this week. Mm-hmm. If I have Kyler and Kirk Cousins, then I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Kirk Cousins, I think, in a safer spot against Atlanta. But that's right in the range where I'm totally fine with starting Kyler Murray yeah. this week. Yeah, lots of questions here, obviously. I mean, I think it's the first time we're going to see the Cardinals' offense. I, I sort of buy mm-hmm. that they weren't showing you know everything in the preseason, but I think they, you know, the Cardinals' O-line, obviously a major concern. Um, the, the Lions, too, they allowed the second-fewest quarterback rushing yards last season, and they faced some you know mobile quarterbacks. They held Dak Prescott to two rushing yards, uh, Russell Wilson to 15, Cam Newton to two. Mitchell Trubisky to 18, Josh Allen to 16. So you know, it seems like that scheme they're running sort of limits quarterback rushing upside. That, that's obviously a big deal for, for Kyler Murray. Of course, the Lions also got a lot tougher in run defense after trading for defensive tackle Damon Harrison. Went from weak in that category among the league's, among the league's weakest to among the league's strongest. Mm-hmm. Damon Harrison's still around. They were 31st in pass defense efficiency. Meanwhile, 27th in overall defensive efficiency. So it's not a tough matchup overall for the Cardinals offense if the Cardinals offense is any good. And I feel like it's probably going to be at least a little bit better or at least a little bit more dangerous than it yeah. looked in the preseason. I agree. I, I still think Kyler Murray is going to be a, going to be a hit. Um, it's the O-line that's a concern. Um, yeah, so David Johnson, I'm not expecting a big game on the ground, but you know you could see him catching four or five, six passes. I think you're, you're starting DJ. Yep, reluctantly, I think, if I have him. Uh, uncomfortably, maybe, more so than reluctantly. Christian Kirk is first among the, the wideouts for Arizona. I wouldn't overplay him, but I think he's yeah. decent in wide receiver three territory. Yeah, I think Kirk, you can use. Fitz, you can use. Uh, Michael Crabtree was listed with the starting offense on, on the latest step chart. But then I think um, Cliff Kingsbury wouldn't even commit to him playing in a press <laughs> conference earlier this week. So I, I think it's Kirk fits and then we'll sort of evaluate monitor the rest of the guys yeah we definitely can't trust those depth charts worth looking at to see what's there but they're not put out by the coaching staff so don't trust them as gospel uh and i'm scared of both defenses in this game i'm not using either one no way there's upside if you're looking for dfs and i haven't checked the prices on them so if they're both down in like the 2000 range on DraftKings, then okay i'd say upside to the lions i don't i don't see much upside to the cardinals defense that's true Pittsburgh at New England, the Sunday night game, 49.5 over under. That's down a couple points from the open. Patriots are six-point favorites. Last year, they played to a 17-10 Steelers win in Pittsburgh. The year before, 27-24 in New England. Big changes on both sides of the ball for both of these teams. Yep. Steelers side, we have Road Ben Roethlisberger, so I'm not super interested in using him. The Patriots have really just an excellent defense overall, I think, and an excellent secondary um, you're using Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm curious to see if you know Belichick sort of makes him the guy he wants to take out of the game. So that, to me, makes Vance McDonald pretty interesting here. Um, he only saw three targets in that meeting with the Patriots last year. Did score on one of them. You know, but I, I could see Vance with you know six to eight targets here. Yeah, Pat's middle of the pack in, t- in tight end points allowed last season. Jamie Collins could make them tougher in tight end defense, and they were fine. They were solid in coverage against tight ends. Um, we'll see what the status is with Patrick Chung amid his uh, drug charges. But I, Vance McDonald's, I, I think, is fine. I would play. I think I would play David and Joku over him. They're probably they might be a little close together in the rankings yeah. for them to be together on the same team very often. But yeah. it would be a toss up between those guys. Yeah, I think I think I'd lean towards Vance there, just 
just feel a bit better about his volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's whether you want to chase the target upside for Vance McDonald mm-hmm. or whether you want to chase the offense in the yeah. better setting for the Browns against Tennessee. Yeah, it's and close. Really, yeah. I, either way you want to go, I think is fine. It's really a, a personal decision between those two. I will we'll play wait and see on Dante Moncrief. I don't want to use him this week. Yes, I'm going to be curious to see what the Steelers wide receiver pecking order looks like behind Juju. On the Patriots side, you know, we mentioned kind of late in the summer, Tom Brady starts out his schedule fairly nicely, and this looks like a good spot. Mm-hmm. I would start him over a bunch of other guys that went ahead of him in ADP this year. Sits inside the top 12 in our week one rankings, uh, so a solid option, I think. Julian Edelman's an easy starter this week against Pittsburgh, and I think Josh Gordon is a, a fairly nice wide receiver three this t- this week. Yeah, I mean, if I if I draft the Josh Gordon, and I did quite a bit, you know, late in August here, I'd sort of want to use him just because just it's Josh Gordon, it's fun. I mean, I, I think there is some risk. We don't know if he's going to play a full allotment of snaps. Um, you know, Joe Hayden's a pretty tough matchup, but he's he's Josh Gordon. I think the Patriots are going to put points up on the board here, so there's definitely upside. Steelers were tougher on the run than the pass last year, too, and no big changes to their secondary, so not a, not a scary pass defense. Two, They do have two new inside linebackers. We'll see if that changes anything with the run D, but I don't think that really matters for Sony Michelle. I think he's pretty easily a starter this week on a team with one of the highest implied totals for the week. Yeah, perfect spot for Michelle. High team total, like you said. Big home favorites. So in, in the games Michelle was healthy last year and the Patriots won, Michelle averaged 20.8 carries, 101 rushing yards, 1.2 rushing touchdowns per game. Yeah. So I'm using Sony Michelle this week. James White, meanwhile, meager production in three yeah. straight matchups with the Steelers at this point. Yep. So his receiving lines, two catches, eight yards, two catches, 32 yards in a score, three catches for eight yards. Um, and the Steelers last year allowed the second fewest running back catches. So it's, you know, it's not just white. It's a tough matchup for pass catching running backs. Mm-hmm. So not using James White this week, if I can help it, using Sony Michelle. Uh, anything else from that game? Uh, nope, that's it. All right. Houston at New Orleans on Monday night, the first Monday night game this week. The highest over under the week, 52.5 points, and that's even down a point from where it opened. The Saints are 6.5 point home favorites here. I feel like I would probably bet Houston if I were betting on that line, um, even in New Orleans. Yeah, it seems high. Betting against the Saints at home, though, I feel like that doesn't usually work. But. Yeah, I would go Houston because I think that Houston's capable yeah, of winning yeah. this game. Yeah, and, and getting the full seven is nice. Right. All right, so Saints are fourth toughest on running back scoring last year they were. So Duke Johnson, not a great opening spot for his outlook, but it's certainly still in consideration if he's the lead back in Houston, and he should be. Yeah, don't expect much on the ground from Duke, um, but I think he could do damage in the passing game. This whole, this all just sets up for a massive Deshaun Watson game. I think the Texans are going to have to go pass heavier than they usually do. Could be playing from behind, you know, indoors, likely shootout. I think you know Watson and his receivers are all set up nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and all his receivers, meaning DeAndre Hopkins, Will, Will Fuller, Fuller, pretty easily in starting lineups. Yeah. Even if Kiki Cutie's playing, I would I would not be on him this week. No, if Kiki Cutie's out though, um, and you know we, we might not find out until till Monday night. But I think Kenny Stills would would be pretty interesting to me. I mean, it, it's tough to count on a guy who arrived a week ago. But, you know, Stills is a guy who can make one or two big plays and, and be good to go. Sounds like a DFS showdown player yeah. for this week. Yes. On the Saints side, Drew Brees had 10 more touchdown passes at home in one fewer game and 17 fewer pass attempts last year. Yeah, Drew Brees at home, we're starting him. I think, you know, nothing major to worry about with this Texans defense, especially after losing Javion Clowney. Uh, Michael Thomas, we're obviously starting him. He, though, you know, I think he, he has the big home road splits, too, especially last year. Not, not surprising, considering his quarterback had the big home road splits. But Thomas... 
at home last year averaged 103 yards, 0.75 touchdowns per game. Yeah, and they also started with much bigger volume in a couple of home games before heading out on the road with Mark Ingram back in the lineup. So that swayed at some, I'm sure. Beyond that, Jared Cook is a solid start. The Texans allowed the most PPR points to tight ends last year. Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn obviously have upside if we're talking about a shootout, but yeah. I also have no idea how much either guy is going to see the ball, so I would yeah. rather not put them in a full-season lineup. Yeah, Ginn ran slightly ahead of Traquan Smith in preseason, so if you have to you know, go to one of those guys, it'd be Ginn for me for now. Um, but yeah, both those guys should be only uh, showdown plays in DFS. Latavius Murray, this is, I think, the type of spot you want to use Latavius Murray with the Saints at home as favorites. Mark Ingram last year in his games that the Saints won averaged 12.6 carries per game, 59 yards, 0.6 touchdowns versus only six carries per game in the Saints' two losses that Ingram played in. Yeah, I think Latavius Murray is a non-PPR flex, ideally. Could enter the RB2 conversation depending on who your other options are. I would play him over Miles Sanders, for example. Um, yes, I would too. All right. Denver at Oakland, the late game to close out the weekend. You could probably go to bed without watching this one because, <laughs> uh, Antonio Brown's not playing it. He's probably going to go to bed without even watching it. 43 and a half over under it's a pick em, So they're both implied for the exact same number of points. The Raiders did open as favorites. <laughs> Antonio Brown, as he said, likely to get suspended. We'll see how soon that comes down, how long it lasts for, but Tyrell Williams is now Oakland's number one. number one receiver for at least the opener, it looks like. Yep. Um, you know, not not an ideal matchup against a tough Broncos defense, but I think, you know, if A B is out, you can sort of pencil Tyrell in for seven or eight targets. I think I think he's he he's a fine wide receiver three. Yep. Uh should see a lot of Chris Harris, which makes it more difficult, but you know, again, volume. Otherwise, Josh Jacobs is yeah. okay if you drafted him, and I would rather not name any other names here. On yeah, the no, Der- no Derek Carr. I mean, Darren Waller, I think people are excited about him. I would not want to use him week one. I honestly don't get the level of excitement <laughs> about Darren Waller. I get him He's, being a yeah. name that you mention, but I'm surprised that he has been mentioned as much as he has so far. He's big, athletic, former wide receiver, the clear number one tight end. And really, I mean, if Antonio Brown's out now, Waller has a shot to you know finish second on this team in target. So he's definitely a guy worth monitoring, should definitely be, I think, on, on a roster in pretty much every fantasy league now with all the latest A-B stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll give that he, he should be owned in a lot of places. I don't think he should be owned in any league of like fewer than 12 teams, yeah. Yeah, not even 10-teamer. Uh, he's worth monitoring for sure. Yes. I'll definitely give him that. I'll leave it at that. On the Denver side, I also want to play as little as possible. I'm fine with Philip Lindsay. Yeah. I'm fine with Emmanuel Sanders. That's it for me, really. I'm fine with Corlton Sutton here. Um, you know, the, Raider, the Raiders were dead last in football outsiders past defense last year. I don't think they're going to be a whole lot better this season. So I think Sutton is in play. You know, Deshaun Hamilton, I'd rather not use. Noah Fant, Oakland was dead last in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings last year. Probably another showdown only guy. Yeah, let me see how much he plays before I go putting him in a season-long lineup. And and Cortland Sutton, I mean, wasn't a volume guy at any point last year, even when the two veterans were gone. Now his quarterback's Joe Flacco. Now Emmanuel (laughs) Sanders is back. So he's certainly in play at some point, but I would play Corey Davis, who I'm not excited at all about this week. I would play Corey Davis pretty hand, pretty easily um, over Cortland Sutton. Yeah, they're close for me. I'd probably lean Corey Davis. Sutton did go six catches, 65 yards, and a score in his second meeting with the Raiders last year. That <laughs> came without Emmanuel Sanders, though. There you go. And now Emmanuel Sanders is back, and he's rebuilt, and he's yes, better sir, than ever. Yes, he is. Do you have anything else from that game? Please nope, say no. that's it. All right, correct. That's going to do it for this week one preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now or the Draft 
Sharks app to check out our full week one rankings. Check the My Team pages for your week one projections, customized to fit your league scoring. Check the Who Do I Start tool for those final burning decisions. And dig into our first round of weekly in-season articles. We will be back on here tomorrow for our first set of DFS podcasts for the 2019 season. One apiece for DraftKings and FanDuel. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I'm at ShoutDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm at Shafts. And thanks so much for swimming with us.